I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Takshashila Institution. We're a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring a fresh perspective to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello and welcome to All Things Policy. I am Saurabh Todi and I have with me my colleague Pranay. And uh, in the context of uh, the upcoming visit of the Indian Prime Minister to the US uh, in June, which will be the first state visit of an Indian PM to the US uh, since 2009, we were just thinking to you know, discuss the broader US-India partnership and what it means, how it has evolved and We'll also talk about a certain form of skepticism, which is being shown by the US commentators and then how Indian commentators are trying to respond to it. So hey. very warm welcome, Pranay. Hey, hi, Saurabh. Yeah, indeed, India-US relations is probably the, the most important relationship for India, definitely, over the next few years. And it's good that over the last few days, there has been some healthy debate on this. So let's discuss that. I think the first article which sort of put the cat amongst the pigeons was, uh, Ashley J. Tellis's article in the Foreign Affairs, which yes was provocatively titled "America's Bed Bet on India," and obviously uh, the article titles are decided by people who publish it. But I think the point that Ashley Tellis makes is really important. First of all, Ashley Tellis is a one of the key figures of the 2005 civil nuclear deal. is a well-known realist scholar, and he's always been a strong proponent of India-U.S. relations. So it's all the more important when he says something which puts some skepticism in India. US relations, right? So that's the background. So I'll just summarize the article. I think the main point was put in the last sentence, which I'll just read out. What he says is that the US should certainly help India to the degree compatible with American interests, but it should not harbor any illusions that this support, no matter how generous, will entice India to join it in any military coalition against China. The relationship with India is fundamentally unlike those that the US enjoys with its allies and the Biden administration should recognize this reality rather than try to alter it. So I think that was the main point. So what do you think about this sort of? I mean, I can understand the broader argument in the sense that I think it's it's very prudent that uh, people in the US don't think that, you know, India would like join an alliance with the US against China. But I am also not sure how many people are actually even trying to think that. I think if you see the statements by, you know, senior US officials, including Kurt Campbell, uh, like said very recently, that they don't think of India, you know, as like an ally as US has, you know, like in Australia, in Japan, in Korea. So India is not a treaty ally. So I don't think the US establishment, at least the ones in the government, are thinking of India in a way that, you know, will be a like an actual ally in like against China, especially in the context of Taiwan. So I'm not sure where this is coming from, although it could be the case that maybe the US Congress and then the broader community may feel that, you know, this kind of uh, approach is a stepping stone towards a more concrete commitment. And if that is the case, then I think this article is helpful that I don't think that, you know, India would be very happy with a clear cut alliance with US against China. Yeah. So I think the fundamental argument that Ellis is making, I think both of us are sort of agreeing with that in the sense that, yes, I mean, it's un- Unlikely that the Indian government is going to engage 
in south china sea now it's a different argument about what we think so i think india should do a lot more in that region maybe you don't i know we've had this discussion before but nevertheless i think the point that he is making is not about what should be but the point is that realistically indian government at this point doesn't seem to have indicated that it will do anything in the south china sea or east asia broadly related to say a joint naval op etc if the situation were to escalate so i think that's a fair point and like you said first of all us like the indian system is an open system and there are many stakeholders yeah. who can who have a voice and they raise their voice in the open domain right like we do so i'm sure there would be people within the us administration and congress who would be thinking that hey we are doing so much for india now at least the, in their perception we are being quote unquote generous to india and what is india giving us in return right so i'm sure there would be players so i guess the article is addressing those points and it's an article that is setting expectations and to that extent that it is setting expectations i think i agree with that fundamental argument you know that first of all expectation setting is important and i do agree that india is unlikely to behave like a weaker ally now and the us india relationship will definitely have some shades that the us china relationship had until yeah. 2004 5 right so there were some competition there was not a full agreement you know there were things which happened which sort of meant that there was serious strain on the relationship but broadly it still continued and grew on many fronts right so some shades of that will definitely be there here unlike let's say a us japan relationship yeah, where it is clear it is clear which is the more powerful side which is the less powerful side it is also clear that you know there was post world war angle dominates that relationship whereas that perspective isn't there in the india us relationship so i think broadly i do agree in the long term that if there were something to happen in taiwan or if there is a sudden change as you said i mean currently the administrations on both sides have shown remarkable understanding even on ukraine but that's not a guarantee right like it has happened today uh, but situation might change in the future and so it's important to take telus's warning with some seriousness instead of defending that you know yeah indian us relationship has no problems whatsoever so i think that is what i would stand at but i was wondering i mean what do you think of this you know the argument that you know us has practiced or is practicing this strategic altruism like regarding india because i am not sure i mean each country i mean more or less works for its interest and it has been and is in us interest to build like to to strengthen india because obviously being the india size being china's neighbor and having the capacity i mean us would like india to be on its side at the same way that that india would like to have us on its side as well so i am not sure how much you know i buy into this idea that you know us is being generous i mean both sides are doing what they can to support i mean us is the stronger party in many respects but i am not even sure there are many other countries like india like us can ally with or at least be a strong partner so do you buy this argument that us has been altruistic towards india yeah so first of all i mean using terms like altruism etc in a backdrop where matsyanya operates right international relations are obviously about power so uh, yeah i mean generosity sort of doesn't fit into uh, this but i would actually agree from with the fundamental argument that over the next few years 
that it's no doubt that us relationship will be more asymmetric towards giving india some things rather than india being able to give some right i mean that's, that's how power operates so you can call it altruism you can call it asymmetry but that's the truth that the us will probably have to give a lot more than to take back right i mean what can india do yeah india can promise some things on the indian ocean also a lot of things on the international agencies and fora but in terms of concrete you know transfer of technology etc it will have to be on the us side and remember this article is probably addressed to the us side right so it has to take their concerns into account rather than whether this is altruism or this is asymmetry so i do believe there is some form of asymmetry there and uh, yes us will be investing a lot more it has to invest a lot more if it wants mm-hmm. india on board and from that sense i i agree with uh, that point okay and so like uh, so like this article obviously did generate a, lo- a lot of commotion and debate on twitter as almost everything does nowadays like so we have this kind of like a rejoinder uh, by ashok malik who is a former uh, advisor to mea so like talk about that i mean he seems to like disagree with the analysis of telus and saying that you know there seems to be a disconnect between what the governments of both india and us are doing and they are saying and what commentators are saying yeah so that article was also quite nice and uh, i think uh, coming back to your previous question yeah. and what ashok malik is also saying is something similar that his point is you shouldn't be fixating on a hypothetical war on taiwan and india's position first of all that war is hypothetical and what india will do will depend on that exact mm-hmm. circumstance so his point is that that is a bad metric to judge what india and us are accomplishing or can do in reality right so uh, and that's what addresses your previous question also right that i don't think it's a point about generosity or not but whether the final strategic aim is testing whether india will do something with respect to a military thing in east asia and south china sea i mean mm-hmm. obviously that's not the only strategic goal us has right i mean can be so many other things with respect to china itself so that is one point so that's sort of a uh, argument that it's a wrong question to ask and uh, like you said it the argument that uh, ashok malik is making that it is actually an imagined roadblock that even the biden administration isn't overly concerned about and then he goes on to list the several domains in which india and us have done a lot of things and they have worked out uh, some modus vivendi despite the fact that they have key differences on many many issues right still there are things that india us relationship are going forward on right so that is the argument and i agree with his view as well you know actually there's no doubt that india us relationship has grown across sectors and you and i sort of itself have been part of meetings where we have seen how the india us conversations have shifted right at the execution levels it's the talks are no longer about whys but about the hows right so earlier we used to just have conversations which used to start with pakistan end with india's closeness with russia and in between just people taking spats at each other with no concrete things right so it was just about why should we do something etc but now the conversations have really shifted you know they literally people are talking about the house you know asking about recommendations that what is realistically things that india and us can do on space biotech semiconductors defense you know so the conversation is about what exactly should we do not about whether we should do something or not so that clearly is a shift so sort of i agree with this view as well yeah and i mean it's also a bit kind of i mean 
this point has been said before, but if you see like in last 25 years, I mean, there have been governments in US and India of all ideologies, parties and everything. And this relationship seems to be only going up and up in the sense that I think, so in a way, I think the congruence, would you say it is very structural? Like it is not as much, you know, because like there are times where I think we get stuck with, you know, which parties in power, the ideologies, domestic issues here and there. So there may be problems a bit here and there. But would you say that structurally, the India-US partnership is something that, you know, does benefit both and it is not going to really change much except the fact that, you know, how much or how intensely do we, you know, like cooperate, like, for example, during like we had quad rival. So do you see like structurally we like both are poised to to stay together? Yeah, I think, see, if you believe in structural realism as a overarching uh, sort of basis for international relations, then yes, you know, uh, broadly there is congruence. China is not going anytime soon as a threat. So as long as that is a glue, I think India and US will work out ways to operate together. But I also agree that, you know, the gains that each side can achieve is not 100% guaranteed just because of structural congruence. You know, so the amount of things that India gets out of this relationship and the amount of things US gets out of this relationship will still vary. So it depends on what our goal is with this relationship. For example, if India's goal is that, you know, we need to quickly build our national power and for that we need, say, transfer of technologies, we need very close research collaborations between India and US in strategic areas, then those are our asks. Then obviously we'll have to do a lot more if some of those things we want. Similarly, on the US side, if US wants something from the Indian side, then probably US also has to remove its stubbornness on say of not giving preferential market access to India. Currently, they are not even conversing on a free trade agreement with India, right? So these things are real trade-offs. So yeah, I mean, India and US will be together, but it depends, right? You can be together 10 feet apart or you can be together uh, (laughs) one feet apart. So it depends on that. So broadly, what I think actually the two views that we talked about, they are not mutually exclusive. I think they both hold together. There's no doubt that India-US relationship has agreed, has gone ahead. And the way I see it in economic terms is there's something called the production possibility frontier, you know, which says what is the maximum limit of uh, goods, products, ideas that can be produced given a budget constraint. Okay, so broadly what it means is that uh, what are the product possibility that this relationship can achieve if we are looking at that frontier we are so far behind that frontier that there is actually many low-hanging fruits to pick and that's what is happening now right so all the things that we are seeing i mean jet engines that's this conversation has been going on for i don't know donkey's years i even forgot when it started so again those things have been reiterated so The good thing is now there's a framework, probably there's a lot more energy to it. So there are enough things to do before this concern which TELUS raises becomes a binding issue, you know, becomes a binding constraint. So that's what we are uh, seeing. But also we should uh, realize that if let's say US president were to change, if the Indian government were to change after the elections or if there is actually an escalation around Taiwan, then the relationship might hit a ceiling that TELUS warns about. So that's why I think sort of agree with both views. Right now, uh, we can do a lot of things, but the barrier that uh, TELUS talks about is also real and we should not lose sight of it. Stay tuned to All Things Policy. We'll be right back after a short commercial break. 
I mean, I still do agree with you, but I was also thinking that, you know, if we are thinking of hypotheticals and mm. so let's say one more hypothetical, if there is a conflict along the LAC, like, you know, like would US come to rescue India? I mean, I'm also not sure if India wants to be rescued by US, but the idea is being that if there are questions regarding, you know, how much or what kind of help India would do during Taiwan, I mean, there are different spectrum of what India can do. Same with there also spectrum what US can do in a India, China, like a, a conflict. And I'm not sure like uh, we can be that sure also about, you know, what kind of help that US will give also. I mean, US has been helping a lot during the current crisis like regarding ISR data and everything. But that also are questions, right? Because like lawmakers will also ask is that like, should the US help kinetically or through active involvement in a conflict regarding India and China. Yeah, like you said in the second half of your comment, uh, there is evidence now that US did offer a lot of things on the intelligence side, etc. And it was the Indian government which didn't want to sort of uh, present it this way for justifiable reasons, mm-hmm. right? But so at least at this point, I don't think that is the major issue but i think see finally we have to encounter this trade-off that does india do we want us more than it wants us i think that's the trade-off i think we want us more i Mm -hmm. to be very blunt about it but there are people who don't agree with that view so that is fine but if we look at it structurally power wise given our capability wise and what the eam himself said right that we are way behind china on uh, many things and we have to accelerate our growth, do a lot of things to catch up, to really confront China on many things. So how do you do that quickly? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, that is your strategic main aim, mm-hmm. then you would do what it takes to get things from the US or any other country uh, and build that power, right? So if that is the goal, then I, I don't think this is a concern, right? Like, yeah. I mean, will US come and help in Ladakh or Galwan? I mean, at least evidence is that to some extent they did, but to what extent will they go, etc. is again a hypothetical that we do, shouldn't be concerned about. At mm-hmm. this stage, if we want to build power, I mean, we should do what it takes uh, to do that. True. And I mean, also given the asymmetry in capabilities, as you talked about, so the spectrum of what can be done in a conflict, that spectrum is quite wide for US in contrast to India. I mean, we can't do as much regarding the, uh, the core conflict on Taiwan as let's say the US could do, you know, with our with China along the LS. So, uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And actually, I looked at it from a framework point of view. So, I had written about this tri-axis framework to look at the India-US relationship. So, there are basically three axes on which this relationship operates. One is people-to-people relations. Second one is state-to-state relations. And third one is state to the people of other country. You know, so these are three. So now look at people to people. I don't think that was ever a problem. So it's only growing. Uh, We can just discard that and hopefully wish that it will continue to only strengthen. Now, state to state is what Ashok Malik is also addressing, that it has grown, it has turned a corner. And I agree with that, right? It is definitely the kinds of things that are happening now were unimaginable 10 years ago. So yes, state to state relationships have also. But the binding constraint here is state to people relations. And I think that. That also feeds into the state-to-state execution and delivery because people in India have a lot of concerns about US as a strategic actor because of the past. Now, we can agree that those, maybe those don't matter now, the geopolitics has changed, etc. But perceptions are what they are. And Mm -hmm. there are real perceptions that there are gaps, how Indian 
people see the US state. And similarly, I think US people also see the Indian state and have some doubts mm-hmm. over it as a strategic actor. So this is a binding constraint and that binding constraint also feeds sometimes into what to what extent the state, the two states can interact with each other, right? So that's how I see it. And it's only the two administrations that can break this ceiling. You know, like I said, these trade-offs are real and it's now up to the administrations how they go forward. And I hope the PM's visit is helpful in removing some of these constraints and going past this old perceptions. So what do you kind of see in the argument that uh, Ashok Malik made that, you know, there seems to be some disconnect between the uh, perception of the US-India relationship between the states, I mean, the governments and the commentators. Do you see that divergence yet? Or if you do, then why do you think that is? Yeah. No, but I mean, commentators are not a homogenous unit, right? So yeah, there yeah. will be a lot of people who will see and neither is the state, right? So within <laughs> the governments itself, you will see very differing views. So similarly, there are differing views within the commentators as well. But yeah, if you were to look at the mean of these two views, I agree that the state to state relationship has moved far ahead, you know, like it does. Uh, a lot of things are happening which the which commentatoriat would have also not imagined a few uh, years ago. So in that sense, yes. But yeah, it's a spectrum, you know. So it, not everyone is saying the same thing. So, I mean, and if you see, I mean, this year seems to be like a very active year for the US-India partnership in the sense that, you know, like both like Modi and Biden will meet, you know, at the G7 summit, then they'll meet at uh, the Quad summit in Australia, then they'll meet in the US when um, Modi goes uh, for state visit, then they'll, then hopefully Biden will come to India for G20. So there are so many, you know, different opportunities for them to interact. And then especially when this is at such a high level, so you could see maybe that, you know, some concrete deliverables may also be because we also see, I mean, also, I mean, I'm curious that You see this emerging uh, India-US partnership in the Middle East, or for us, it's West Asia. And you you saw the US NSA, the Indian NSA, and UAE leaders met with Saudis for like some West Asian kind of like cooperation. Do you see that like India then also trying to move out of its comfort zone and trying to be more active in regions outside with um, like a more tacit US-India collaboration? Yeah, that was interesting to see. But yeah, I guess there is, it's too early. I Mm -hmm. would say that because the question I always ask is what is the glue that is holding all these countries together? And I don't think China is that glue in this context in West Asia. I mean, it's not that big a threat. Quad, I agree, is a more powerful element because the threat is more real, more proximate for the Quad. So yeah, I mean, these are new. But what I would say is things that can concretely be done. I think, see, India-US relationship, one big grouse that on the state to people dimension that we're talking about is technology denial, right? So MTCR and the whole old grouses about how the technology was denied to India in space and nuclear fields and especially the role of US and all. That is a big concern. Now, if US and India can turn around on that issue, you know, that is a big thing which will just take away a big pain point. 
know, so if there are actually some things on jet engine tech transfer, if there's something really on, say, a, a fab coming to India uh, of the US. Now, I understand that it's a private player, US government doesn't have, but the US government definitely has a lot of controls on transfer of technology for its domestic firms. So it can play an enabling role on that. So if there are some things on these, which is India's main strategic concerns, if US can play a role in that, then that whole technology denial narrative just gets punctured. Mm -hmm. So that's one real concrete area where the two countries can quickly uh, get around. Otherwise, yeah, I mean, there are things on that we can do multilaterally, but it takes time, you know, like, I mean, to get four countries aligned on a geography and get things executed will take some time. It's not going to change people's strategic calculations or thinking and perceptions. Yeah, plus I think we also see that, I mean, there seems to be like, as you said, like a very good people to people connect between India and US and many Indians, I mean, they like the US, but there is this like suspicion, you know, like, you know, how, how independent will India remain? Uh, like, will strategic autonomy be challenged? And I think if these things happen, as you said, like transfer of technology and stuff, then I think that kind of can offset a very, like a big chunk of negative perception in India, which can then, I think, help move forward. Agree. And it, like, I mean, there's also this this argument, I mean, it's it's uh, half funny that, you, you know, like in one of the, I think, reports, I think in The Economist, it, it said that a former, uh, uh, like a deputy NSA of Japan said that, you know, like, India would be more like, you know, like a very big France, like in terms of its relationship with the US. How do you think, you know, I mean, do you agree with it? Or do, I mean, in the sense, I mean, France is a very like close ally of the US, but it still retains a lot of its independence. And sometimes it's like not very uh, well accepted. So do you see that comparison being decent? No, I don't think so. I mean, first of all, I don't know the details of India, US-France relationship to yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of... Uh, draw an exact parallel but as far as metaphors go i would say india us relationship will be more like a much friendlier and democratic china and us relationship that's very interesting i mean that's not like what i mean can you expand on that in the sense that like people don't see that way but i mean more i hear from you i think that's true because it's like it's like both countries are trying to adjust to each other i mean both countries are too big and too independent to become an ally of each other in a very national sense but they do have yeah. to figure out a way to like yeah. stay together no and allyship itself is such a cold war era and world yeah. war term right i think we we are way past that every single country in this world has a lot more agency than that period right i mean you can look at the smaller states also how they behave none of them is allied with any of their bigger neighbors so that's a wrong framework to look at itself okay. so i don't think that framework applies the cold war era framework but the us china relationship was interesting right the glue was sino soviet split and that started the thing that us china came together of course because china was authoritarian and communist there was even more binding constraints to what they could do together and they didn't have the people to people axis like india and us have now right so but india really has a lot more things that going for it on this front right so there is a lot more people to people relationships both countries are democracies both countries have a lot more congruence than us china did but yet they like just like us china when two big countries are interacting there are it's very difficult to have uh, some sort of a ally treaty ship signed right so similarly i don't think india and us will go to that 
the accident and also because of india projected to be fast growing economy there are lots of things that it would want to engage other countries with rather than just say outright that it is an ally so i actually i think that word itself has no meaning in mm-hmm. today's geopolitics and it we shouldn't overly focus on it as long as both countries are able to get what they want to an extent that is what matters yeah true as you said i mean there's there will also be some healthy competition between let's say india and us in many things i mean as india grows and as india becomes more like richer like it will also try to like have new technologies i mean we already see you know like there is some friction on i mean always on ip on digital companies and everything so that competition would also you know i mean remain so as long as that remains you know like that kind of mutual coexistence you know will have to be cultivated yeah okay okay well that's our time today and there is a lot that uh, which, i mean hopefully will happen in the next few months as the leaders keep meeting uh, for uh, one summit and the other and then hopefully we'll see some concrete developments maybe we'll have a new podcast when the us agrees to transfer the jet engine technology to india hopefully that happens this year and thanks a lot pranav thanks saurav if you liked our show don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the ivm network You can tune into them on the IVM podcast app ivmpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle at @takshashilainst or our website takshashila.org.in.